mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Hello and welcome to the Abroad in Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined, as always, by England's top Japan enthusiast, Mr. Pete Donaldson. Pete, how the hell are you doing? How the oh, hell are you, you really? You, you, how the hell am I doing? Uh, you really Pretty. threw yourself into that one. It was very enjoyable. <laughs> you were like, you were like, Japan enthusiast. Lovely old job. I'm doing well. Chris, I have to say, happy birthday. Happy show Happy birthday. birthday. We are three years young this week, if we haven't got our sums wrong. Well, we hey. any, I mean, I mean, we should really we have. have brought tea and cake and, you know, booze, but we... Don't you worry. We, we, got the coffee ready. Oh, Tally's no coffee. Idea. Ready to so, go. How many... How many sh- look on the back of that coffee. Right. Tell me how much sugar is in that. There's got uh, to be... There's got to no. be a sugar. How many no, calories no, no. is it? Black coffee, my friend. No sugar. Oh. Zero no calories. Do one, Pete. Do one. Oh, that's amazing, mate. Well, I had no idea. There's no sugar at all. I thought you were like a nope. sugar boy. But it does have a disturbing amount of caffeine, right? It's got it's got like 350 milligrams of caffeine. Isn't that quite a lot? Is that why? 350 like... milligrams. Where's milligrams? Yeah. I mean, micrograms. Yeah. I mean, I would say that. <laughs> That's a worrying you about. won't see the fourth birthday. <laughs> you won't see the first anniversary. Of the uh, abroad in Japan, uh, uh, um, yeah, podcast. Well, I've made one it of the this most far. successful YouTube to podcast transitions in the world. In the world, <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it. We are now, I think, about 190 episodes in after three years. Yeah. Um, we started the first one out went out on 14th of February 2018. It was a different world back then. You could fly on a plane. It was a simpler yeah. time. Yeah, <laughs> much better fucking time. <laughs> anyway, it was a different time, and I remember we filmed, we recorded in the. Uh, studios for Absolute Radio, where only mm-hmm. a year or so before uh, Natsuki had, had made it big and got on British radio, and yeah, it's, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it feels different. And like now, for the first time in three years of doing this, guys, we actually Pete and I can see each other. We do the yeah. podcast. Uh, we have a video chat now, um, as opposed to the just audio. Yeah. Don't know why I, we didn't I do mean, this sooner. I know. Yeah, well, I was very concerned about internet and bandwidth and broadband and latency and and me not being able to figure out when Chris is going to stop talking. And turns out <laughs> um, it doesn't really matter. Just just get yourself a video, and it sounds a bit better. I'm sure. I'm sure you guys may have noticed the difference. We're not talking over each other half as much. We're not kind of like 
doing elongated giggles for no bloody reason <laughs> just to see <laughs> when people uh... are going to be starting to talk can you hear me now okay start begin 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 um so yeah we, yeah we should have done this earlier um i just like the fact that even three years in we are still learning a little bit about ourselves and a little bit <laughs> about our craft <laughs> still innovating and of course we went to yeah twice weekly last year as well but uh, thank you seriously guys from the bottom of my hearts uh, from the bottom of my heart certainly uh yeah thank you for for tuning in every week and uh, being a part of the podcast it's great like the videos i put uh, they can be quite stressful to make a podcast is so much more chilled out and relaxing and it's just nice to catch up with pete every week and uh yeah it feels like a secret a secret room a secret place secret sexy club <laughs> It's exactly that. It's the manifestation of Secret Sexy Club, the finest hostess club in Sendai. Uh, yeah, I still if, have yet to and go. If in. You, and if you want um, a, uh, you know, if if you want something different, if you if you've got an idea for the show, maybe a game we could play, let us know. If you want to hear more interviews, less of me, more of Chris, you know, just just let us know. Give him an email. Well, that's so I don't have to thing. read them. Only this year, <laughs> only last year, we uh, we moved to having interviews of folks as well. We've had Joey, mm. we've had Connor, Sharla, Norm. So we'll be doing that as well more often uh, and letting Pete have a week off. So, yeah, thank you for listening to the podcast. We look forward to keep mm. going long into the future. Plenty of stories to talk about. Um, but this week, we are going to be reading out travel stories that you guys have sent in. At the end of last week's episode on Wednesday, I asked you to send in your stories, things that went wrong during your trip to Japan, things that went right, uh, memories that you cherish, memories that you want to forget. Um, you've sent <laughs> them in, and we've got some pretty good ones to read out. And I love these because I love traveling, and I love the – the spirit and the sense of adventure that comes from travel. Um, but it's yeah. something that none of us have been able to do uh, in the last year, given the circumstances. So we can live through some of these hilarious stories. Uh, and the first one is from Dots from the Philippines. And uh, take it away, Pete. Let's, fe- let's hear our, our first story uh, of, of the week. <laughs> oh, many <laughs> of a thousand uh yes we've got an email uh from so i just, just lost my place on on the old uh, document because we were talking useless. about video useless, useless um we've got a message from ah yeah dots um hi chris beats well both of you are well i'm dots from the uh, philippines um long time viewer listener of both the channel and the podcast here before covid struck i was lucky enough to visit japan six times in five years both with friends and going solo enjoyable uh, but the strangest thing i've ever encountered not just in japan but the strangest ever period uh was on my first trip in 2015 with two friends on our first day in tokyo I'm wandering around Yogi Park, lovely park, uh, when mm. near the park's entrance was a queue of around 15 or 20 young girls aged around 13 to 17 by our guests. Uh, naturally, we wanted to see what was going on, what was at the front of the line. Said line ended behind a tall tree where, lo and behold, there was uh, what can only be described as a rejected host club applicant-looking guy dressed in black <laughs> from head to toe with blonde hair and, shall I say, a not a particularly attractive face, probably in his mid to late 20s. He was, wow, he was, uh, shall we say, romancing a girl who was presumably at the head of the line. He was whispering sweet nothings in her ear, touching her face, and at one time, pinning her to the tree with his arms. This goes on for a few minutes, then on to the next girl in the queue. At one point, the host club reject guy steps out from behind the tree, faces the waiting line of girls, and racing his, uh, raises his arm diagonally in a weird gesture, pointing to the sky. All the girls mimicked him. So it's getting darker, and at some point, I guess he got tired already. So he stepped out again and addressed the line of girls. We couldn't understand him, but it was obviously was saying, "That's all for now. Show's over, folks." As the guys let out a collective wail of disappointment and eventually dispersed. My <laughs> friends, 
What? My friends and I, along with other tourists in the park, were asking each other, what the flip is going on? And no one had the slightest <laughs> idea. It was really creepy. Uh, and I also have to say that there were no policemen or any other authorities in figures in sight, making us wonder that if, if this was a legitimate operation. So I ask you, gentlemen, would either of you have any idea what the hell was going on? I'm still intrigued by it to this very day. Dots from the Philippines. Chris, I haven't got the first fucking clue. There's usually a bloody outside uh, food market. Near the entrance of Yogi Park. It's what he usually got. Not tree molestation. Detective Broad is on the case. So we've got a guy who's a rejected host club applicant looking guy, a relatively attractive guy who's not particularly attractive, apparently, in his mid to late 20s. I think he must have been, right, this is my hypothesis, he's from some sort of second-rate band that isn't that good, but he's got a little bit of a following. And he said, like, come on then, let's have a meet-up in Yogi Park. I'll be there and I'll I'll give you a special autograph or something. <laughs> and yeah. a sea of girls have turned up to meet him. And back in 2015, around this time, when uh, this happened, when Dot saw this happen in, uh, in, in the park, there was a craze going on where guys would pin girls up against the wall and sort of push them against the wall and put one arm above them uh, in a sort of masculine 1960s uh, kind of film star right. manner. Like old okay. Hollywood, and there was that kind of craze going on. Everyone was doing it. Um, so everyone I reckon was doing it. Everyone People in do shops, it. you'd pop in a shop. They go some percent <laughs> They'd pin you up against the wall. <laughs> what can I do for you today? It was happening in cinemas. Oh, fantastic! I think I'll I remember. I remember seeing Rachel and Jin do it as well. Actually, in a photo, right, if okay. I can recall, Rachel and Jin. But like, everyone was doing it. It was pretty <laughs> harmless fun. I think um, <laughs> it was nothing too sinister wow. about it. But I think. Clearly, at that time, that craze was going on. This guy was like, "Oh, you know, I'll do the the pinning up against the tree thing, um, <laughs> touching of like the face." You... <laughs> bit scary. Given they're yeah. thirteen to seventeen, bit bit, bit worrying. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a bit much, isn't it? Um, and I hope that man is in prison now. <laughs> <laughs> but you do see things like this. Like the people love to queue for things in Japan for the most mundane things, mm. and uh, this does seem to fit that. Uh, description rather well of being rather mundane but uh, I don't know yeah. very bizarre. bizarre keep keep an eye out next time you're in Yogi Park ladies and gentlemen do you have any theories <laughs> if you have any th- theories let us know let us know at the podcast uh, abroad in Japan podcast gmail.com we've got one from uh, James from the UK who says dear Chris and Pete I thought I'd share with you a story of ineptitude and incompetency that befell me on a ski trip to Japan at the start of last year. I was studying as an exchange student in Tokyo last year, and on one fateful weekend, myself and a few friends decided to go on a ski holiday to a resort in Nagano. I must now point out I'm not a confident skier. Prior to this trip, I'd not skied in seven years, and my friend had barely ever skied at all. But no matter, we'd pick it up as we went along, or so we thought. Yeah, I've, <laughs> I've had that mindset many a time when I've gone skiing. Yeah. Um, after hours of semi-passable skiing, my friend and I found ourselves sore and too tired to carry on. We were halfway up the mountain, but the easiest slope to get down to the bottom was closed, and we did not want to attempt the harder route. Uh, simple, we thought. We'll just take up a chairlift up the mountain, then use an easy route to get down to the gondola, which would take us down to the bottom of the mountain. What could possibly go wrong? So we took the chairlift to the mountain's peak, yet to our surprise, we found that when we got there, there was no easy route to take us down to the gondola. The only path was via a diamond black run, the hardest difficulty ski slope. We'd realised our (laughs) calamity immediately, knowing that if we tried to attempt that run, we would likely injure ourselves. Uh, And for those of you that don't know skiing, I can attest 
I I'm I, I'm an intermediate skier, right? And mm. I cannot go down a black run. It's incredibly scary. Um, and I did go skiing not that long ago in Yamagata uh, at a ski resort, and it was like a green run and a black run, and I nearly mixed it up. I went down the black one. A green one is kind of, you know, a leisurely pace. It's quite safe. Black one is like yeah. a vertical drop off a cliff. <laughs> and so it's pretty scary. Anyway, uh, James continues, we realized our calamity immediately, knowing that if we tried to attempt that run, we would likely injure ourselves. So we made our way mm. back to the chairlift, hoping to take it back down so we could find a more appropriate route down the mountain. However, upon, rele- upon reaching the chairlift, the man operating it told us we would not be allowed to use it to go down. Um, we understood that it's not, cre- it's not correct protocol. Um, so unless, and, but this was an emergency, you know, could we please go down it? Um, I'm not an expert of the Japanese language, but I tried to convey our lack of skiing ability in any way I could by simply saying the word ski, followed by any negative I could think of. Ski janai, ski chigaimas, ski ie. This sounds like the Pete Dolson dictionary of Japanese. Ski chigaimas. Perfect. Sounds um, perfect to me. Uh, the man seemingly under- <laughs> the man seemingly underestimated the problem of the situation as he repeatedly <laughs> just said, "Go down the black run, go on, give it a try," um, <laughs> suggesting that if we slalomed down, we'd be fine. Yeah, he, could you, I mean, could you I not mean, just go down on your bum or something? I mean, have you been skiing? Have you? Been... No, no. Okay, <laughs> I'm speaking from no level of experience. It's it's pretty dangerous. Like we're talking right. pretty steep here. Um, we knew we wouldn't be fine, so we continued to ask him. Um, mm. The man then disappeared to his operating room for a few minutes, evidently speaking on a walkie-talkie. My friend and I assumed he would finally allow us to use the chairlift to descend the slope. To our surprise, however, a team of no less than seven mountain rescuers <laughs> seven <laughs> appeared at the site moments later. Medical packs, body sleds and everything. Our attempt to indicate that such measures were simply not necessary <laughs> were futile, as one of the team indicated for our skis. Uh, which he promptly confiscated from us. We were then led over to the Black Slope and told to descend the mountain on our backsides as the team supported and monitored us on our way down. It was a journey of humiliation as we could merely look over at fellow skiers flying down the mountain with ease as we slid down (laughs) slowly but surely on nothing but our behinds. All the best, (laughs) James from the UK. I've always wondered what would happen in that situation, actually. And now I know. Ski down like a muppet on your backside. On your bum, yeah. What happens, right? Like, what happens if there's a little rock sticking out of the... Do do they only choose, like... like, like, I don't know how they make ski runs. I don't know how... Do they just sort of, like, go, right, there's a rock there. That's sticking out there. You can't have that down there. This This isn't a run. Rubbish. Well, they they like yeah they have, they have to carve it out of the mountain and then they like flatten it down and it's it's all right, tended to okay. like it's pretty safe. Uh, okay, you know? <laughs> um, I've only been off off piste, so off that's called a ski piste, right? If you go off piste, mm. then that is just skiing in the wild. And uh, I've done that right. once with Riotero and I nearly died, and I'm pretty traumatized by it to this day. But uh, <laughs> yeah, well done, James. You got down the mountain, and that's all that counts. Uh, without broken legs, Lordy. bloody hell! Making my knees hurt just thinking about it. Awful. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. Um, we got an email from, or fax rather, because it's a fax between special. Greetings, Chris and Pete. Amy from Atlanta, Georgia, USA. Um, 
On our second visit to Japan for our honeymoon, my husband and I stayed in three Airbnbs. Um, in the instructions for accessing our second Airbnb, the, the host told us not to draw attention, and if asked, uh, to say that we were staying with our friend Kaz, although that was not the host's name that was given. You see this a lot oh. in Airbnbs. They don't want anyone to know that they're running an Airbnb, yeah. uh, so you've got to pretend that you are a naturalised Japanese citizen uh, somehow. Uh, of course, that wasn't advertised uh, about the listing in advance, or I wouldn't have chosen this one because that seems a bit sketch. Despite this, our stay was very nice and there was no trouble, but it left me with two questions. Our first Airbnb host was also supposedly named Kaz, uh, so we wondered if this was some generic or common name like Bob or Joe that's often used to keep this, things vague. Have you ever had something uh, risky like this? Uh, and some, and secondly, uh, this also made me wonder if staying in Airbnbs can be risky. I recall a story in one of your previous podcasts where a listener found out they were not allowed to stay in their Airbnb. Uh, I'd love to know uh, for our next trip if Airbnb is generally on the up and up in Japan and if there are things you need to look out for when booking. Keep the great work, you two, and take good care of yourselves. Amy from Atlanta, Georgia, uh, USA. Love Atlanta and love that email. I mean, you've pretty much hit the hair, the, the, hit the hail on the head. Hit the nail on the head there, Pete, <laughs> about how, yeah, uh, before a few, up until a few years ago, like a lot of people had some Airbnbs that they weren't technically allowed to have. Like, I remember I mm. stayed in one and it was very shady. It was like clearly not allowed to happen. And they told us again to say something like, if we got caught, just be like, oh, we're, we're just catching up with Takeshi and just like, yeah. <laughs> just lie, uh, which is always a bit of a surreal situation. I don't know if Kaz is like a, a generic name like Bob or mm. Joe, you know, John Doe. Kaz is like probably, Kazu or Kazuhiro. So, right, it's probably just like um, it's probably just a generic name that the person who operates all of the properties uh, kind of says effectively. I, I mean, I don't know whether that that, that, that would help at all, mm. but um, it, it happens a lot. I mean, and, and you've got to remember, like, look, if you're doing it in bloody Rio or something else, or, 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 or Durban or somewhere like, like, you know, these, or, or, or London even, like, that is sketchy. But if you're doing it in, in Japan, Tokyo, you know, there are, you know, pretty slummy places, but then they're probably going to be okay. You're probably pretty safe when yeah. it comes to stuff like that. I've, I've only had positive experience with Airbnb in Japan. I remember I got yeah. a really good one when we were doing the recording, the filming for Cat Nation. The cat documentary cat I did in 2016, which you should have done the theme tune for, as you've just established. <laughs> uh, we stayed in an Airbnb overlooking the Sensoji Temple in Asakusa. Mm. It was really amazing. Like the view was incredible, mm. and I, it was in like this really dull, dreary-looking, faceless apartment block. But the view was yeah one of the best I've had from anywhere in Japan. So well, yeah, get, don't write off experience. Airbnb. You get to experience like um, living like a local, I suppose. You don't, you don't have the, you know, the usual. You don't have the the the, the, the pros of a of a hotel room and the, mm. and the amenities and the vending machine stuff. But like vending machines are everywhere. Seven Elevens are open all the time, and you'll usually have a kitchen, so you can you can eat. You can save a lot of money um, staying in Airbnbs if, if you're cute about it. All right, Airbnb sponsorship. Bloody I'm just hell. saying, guys. I love just that, saying. Man. I mean, God knows whether they're even allowed <laughs> after in a post-pandemic world. God knows. <laughs> well, yeah, they had a really nasty time, didn't they, a few years ago. I remember that was one of the first things we covered back in 2018. Mm. Uh, Japan cracked down, and I think, you know, the number of Airbnbs in Japan went down by like 50% because it got really yeah. difficult. There's a lot of paperwork. So I don't think this is going to happen anymore. I think these days it has to be above board. It has to be publicly yeah. known that it's an Airbnb. So don't worry. You won't have to break in. To, you don't have to go in and pretend to be, be friends with Kaz <laughs> next time it happens, Amy. We've got one here from Nika. He says, hi, P hi, Pete and Chris. I always get confused 
when it's the other way around. Yeah. My name is Nika and I'm from the Netherlands. I love the podcast. It's been the highlight of my Wednesdays for quite some time. When Pete said he's from Hartlepool, it reminded me of when I came across a group of biker travellers from Hartlepool. And the first thing they told me was about Hartlepool's people uh, who were called monkey hangers because they yeah. executed a monkey once for being a Frenchman. It made me giggle. <laughs> your, your people, Pete. The biker travellers, yeah. The Hartlepool <laughs> biker travellers, famous. <laughs> Speaking about bikers, when I was travelling down the entire Michinoku Trail in Tohoku on my own uh, and was staying for two days on a campground where I was the only one staying there, um, I came across a really interesting group of bikers. Uh, For those of you who don't know, the Michinoku Trail is an amazing route. It starts in Hachinohe in Aomori and ends, I think, in Fukushima. And you can walk down Mm. the entire coastline. And the coastline of Tohoku, the east coast, is absolutely stunning. Lots of cliffs and things. Anyway, uh, I left my tent for a day hike and I came back to a group of 40 scruffy-looking Japanese bikers building their tents around mine. I was immediately invited to dinner and persuaded uh, to enter their biker's spa while holding a beer, which turned out to be a metal (laughs) oil drum heated by a wooden fire. After a (laughs) night of heavy drinking, we exchanged numbers and went our separate ways. After a week or two, I received a message from one of the bikers with a Google location pin located at an abandoned golf course in rural Tochigi Prefecture (laughs) with the text, please come and have beer together. Of course, I asked one of the girls I clicked with uh, if it was safe, and it turned out that she was there too. I decided to take the off-beaten track route uh, that got me close to the golf course. After climbing a hill without a path and through some bushes, I wound up behind the tent of a group of Japanese leather-wearing, barbecuing men who were quite startled by my (laughs) sudden appearance from the bushes. I looked past them and found out I was invited to Vibes Biker Fest, uh, with tents as far as the eye could see. It was incredibly big. Uh, I made my way to the main stage, and somebody slapped a staff card around my neck and told me I was late. With absolutely no idea what was happening, I was paired with a group of classically trained Japanese chefs cooking dinner for the 150 festival volunteers for four days. As a form of welcome, <laughs> they made me wear an apron an apron, uh, and called me... <laughs> called me uh, Oranda Mama Styru for the entire day, literally Holland Mama style. Uh, it was nice. awesome. It was the weirdest and most beautiful moment of my entire three-month journey, and I made friends for life. All, all the best uh, from Nika. Uh, what an incredible experience that she just met these yeah. people camping and they invited her. It sounds like they secretly just got some extra labor. They're like, yeah, yeah, come along to this <laughs> yeah, event. Exactly. By the way, you're a chef yeah. now for four days. Can you cook all our meals for 150 people? It sounds yeah. like she got done there, but it sounds Absolutely like agree. a great little, a great little sort of Pete Donaldson esque yeah. scenario, doesn't it? I'd lo- I'd love to get involved and be Big Mama Netherlands. <laughs> I think the biker, the biker, like the biker folks in Japan are really nice people. Like a lot of my good friends, like mm. Yuki, uh, my good friend Yuki, Tiny Beer Yuki. He is a motorbike, and him and his his crew, his posse, they ride mm. around the mountains of Japan on their motorbikes, and they just. I think Japan is like a really good country to uh, to uh, for, for bikers because there's just so much nature and mountains to to lap yeah. up and enjoy. Um, I've I've dangerously tempted to to get like a motorbike or a scooter or a moped or just a bicycle. <laughs> it's going down. It's going down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm backing down. Okay. It's just going to be a bicycle. Yeah, just a bit. Just another bicycle, really. Yeah. I mean, you've ruined so many bicycles on your oh, journey across Japan anyway. How dare you? So. How dare you? <laughs> um, 
A message from Jonathan. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Chris and Pete. Hope you're doing well. A uh, long-time listener and follower of the Abroad in Japan YouTube channel. But finally, I've got around to sending something. Back in 2017, my friends and I went for a three-week trip uh, to Japan, covering the usual tourist spots like Kyoto, uh, Tokyo, Osaka, and uh, Hiroshima. Uh, we also went to um, Okunoshima, the uh, rabbit island, where one of my friends recreated your infamous scene of lying on the grass and being swarmed by hungry rabbits. There was one embarrassing <laughs> moment, though. I had one night when we went to get some dinner at a busy summer. 11 near our hotel in Tokyo. There was one item I picked out that the staff working at the cash register graciously offered to warm up for me in the microwave. Having finished paying, I took all the bags with me and proceeded to leave the store, having completely forgotten about the food still in the microwave. As I left, the uh, staff uh, started calling uh, out to me with uh, Okyaksama. Is that Okyaksama? Okyaksama. Customer. Customer. Ah, Okyaksama. Repeatedly, each time getting louder and louder as I obliviously uh, kept walking away and also not knowing enough Japanese to understand. Uh, Finally, (laughs) the staff ran outside and yelled very loudly with a frustrated (laughs) tone, Okyaksama, microwave you. Microwave. Microwave. Oh, microwave. Sorry. Customer, microwave, uh, to which I then realized what had actually happened. Walked back to the store, completely embarrassed at the sight of a long line of people waiting to say, uh, waiting to pay. Uh, Apologize profusely as I received my microwave food and I left as quickly as I could. To this day, my friends will never make this microwave story go, <laughs> although we always look back at it and have a good laugh. Keep up the good work with the podcast and the videos. Hope to travel to Northern Japan and once the uh, travel restrictions and safety issues are resolved. Jonathan, Toronto, Canada, microwave. <laughs> <laughs> Dear oh dear, I think I've done that. I think I've done that before as well. Embarrassingly, yeah. <laughs> I'm as bad as, as, as that. It's, it's easily done, isn't it? Easily done. Yeah, you know really what? Easily done. I mean, microwave. You don't really hear microwave in Japanese. Do you know? There's another word for microwave in Japanese. Oh, Do you know what that? it is? Right, okay. No, I don't. I think you, you may guess? mention it on a video. Um, hot bar, little metal, little metal hot box. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's quite weird. It's it's Denji. Renji. Or Renji. Denji. Renji. Yeah, literally or like Denji range. Renji. Uh, yeah, range. Ah. I think it's from the word range because it's uh, right. uh, guide I go, like a foreign borrowed word. So I think they took the right. word range and just went Denji. Denji. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Although yeah, I remember in my one of my apartment tour videos, when I first moved to Sendai, I had this just the worst apartment I've ever had. My bed was effective. It was all in one room. It was a studio and my bed was like in the kitchen. Yeah. Like I slept with my, my head in a microwave. and uh, mm. But in the video, this is the one where Natsuki goes around and I point at something and he has to guess what it is in English. And uh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. he came up with, like, the, he thought the vacuum cleaner was called the fucking cleaner. I don't know how he got <laughs> to that. I think yeah. I went vacuum cleaner and he went fucking cleaner because he misheard me <laughs> saying vacuum. Um, Enjoyable. He, th- he thought the microwave, I was like, what's that? And he said, is that the electric box? <laughs> electric <laughs> box? That sounds amazing. That sounds better than microwave. Yeah, damn right. And I people agree. loved it so much, we turned it into merchandise and sold it as a T-shirt. But not many people <laughs> bought it. I think that was the worst-selling oh. T-shirt we've had on the Abroad Japan merchandise store. And I can't say <laughs> that I'm surprised. Before we dive into your questions in the fax machine, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Back in a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. 
That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Stakhanov's brand new show, My Seven Wonders, with Clive Anderson, is available to listen to now. Clive will be quizzing some of the world's most interesting celebrities, including Griff Reese Jones and Shappy Corsandi, about their own personal Seven Wonders of the World. Join Clive and his first guest, Dara O'Brien. Dara talks to Clive about his love for the Irish sport hurling and some of the extra benefits that come with owning a hurley stick. It's just pleasant to have a big stick in the house every so often. For home security, it's always nice to know that they're, I have an arsenal uh, if I need it. I'll bear that in mind if I'm tempted to burgle your house in the middle of the night. Just do it. Honestly, that's how I stand. I stand <laughs> naked with my Irish testicles dangling, <laughs> challenging people. They discuss finding humour in quantum physics. It's like saying, is the cat dead or not? Would you, somebody just open the box? Would somebody just open the box? <laughs> And discovering new passions during lockdown. Lockdown ran a schism, essentially, between the young comics who immediately went, I must learn new skills. I must learn video editing of TikTok. And I must find new ways to bring back comedy to people. And the older comics went, your retirement will be all right, actually. <laughs> the guy. <laughs> Turns out, you know, it's, okay. it's not too bad. Search My Seven Wonders with Clive Anderson on your favourite podcast player to hear the first episode now. And we're back, and it's time to dive into the fax machine. What have we got this week in the fax machine, Mr. Donaldson? We've got a message from someone called Ben from Grimsby, UK. It's a nice place, not a good football team, though. <laughs> um, hi, Chris Beats. I love the podcast. Been listening since the first episode. Oh, stop. It helps me get through my very early shifts at work in the cold. I was wondering if the people of Japan might be curious about the UK. Do you ever have the same kind of questions once people learn that you're British? Uh, it would be interesting to know what aspects of the UK or Europe are the most appealing to them, considering so many people from the West are interested in Japan. I hope to visit the country someday, and it would be very interesting to speak to any Japanese person who is curious about the UK. Cheers for all your hard work on the podcast and the broad Japan YouTube channel, Ben from Grimsley in the UK. I mean, from my perspective, a lot of Brexit talk last time I was in Japan. Oh, for yeah. obvious reasons. Well, they didn't, they didn't understand why we were doing it, I think. Um, yeah. But uh, they, yeah, they, there's a lot of people that are interested in British culture, particularly during the Harry Potter years. It was all Harry Potter. But um, <laughs> I think the, the most popular country for Japanese tourists in Europe, I think it's France. I think it's yeah. France. And there was obviously the, the, well-known, the well-known Paris syndrome, right, where people would go to Paris and be freaked out and 
by how it wasn't what they thought it was going to be. Um, and Italy is second, if I'm not mistaken. Um, right. They love Italy because of the food. And then the UK was third. Could be wrong there. I need to look that up again. But uh, mm. yeah, I mean, you, you meet a lot of people that have interest in British culture, like Natsuki, right? When he found out I was from the UK, our friendship kind of kicked off there and then. Like He yeah. was like, where are you from? I was like, the UK. He exploded. If I'd gone, I'm from Spain, he would have gone, oh, Spain, that's nice. Wow, yeah. But I don't know if it would have had that rapport because he's not into Spanish right. punk rock music. Um, <laughs> it's British punk rock. So it's all about specific people. I remember I was in Onomichi one time um, and I was about, to, it was the night before I did the Shimnami Kaido cycle for the first time out of the two times I've done it. And I was sitting with my friend in, a, in the port having a beer uh, with my friend Sam who joined me on the cycle and uh, this Japanese guy walked over and he's like, where are you from? And we, I was like, oh, the UK. And for the next 25 minutes, he just went, oh, Beatles. I went, yeah. He went, oh, uh, fish and chips. I went, yeah. <laughs> oh, Harry Potter. Went, yeah. Oh. Got any more? And he just he literally listed off every facet, every element of British culture. <laughs> That he knew or he'd heard. He's like, Princess Diana. I was like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Literally that for 25 minutes. And it took him time to think up the next one. And so he'd be like, Princess Diana. And I'd go, yep. Yeah. And then I'd sort of look down at my beer, <laughs> take a swig. <laughs> and he'd be like, he'd do mm, another one. Brilliant. Mm, Oxford University. And I'd be like, yep, yeah, we've got that. Yep. Yeah. it's just that we should bring him on the podcast that's quality content right there just get him to list off every facet of british culture but uh you meet people like that and you've met a few haven't you in like your bars in fukuoka and uh yeah we sort of like list they sort of uh they sort of go but they always have the weirdest (laughs) thing to kind of like because football is kind of my bag so i can always talk football but like yeah they'll 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 list off stuff and and you're like you got any more and and you sort of want to go look (laughs) Have a think. Have a think about. Would this be interesting if we were both speaking the same language? <laughs> it's just a memory game for you, mate, isn't it? But uh, yeah, no, that was, that was very sweet. But you are like, yeah, yeah, David Beckham, David Beckham. Oh, David always Beckham's David Beckham. Huge. Yeah. He's huge. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Well, you know, so uh, yeah, it's just a lot of chat about Liverpool, really, because Minamino plays for or played for them. He's now at loan. He's now on loan at Southampton, I believe. Yeah, and, and when I got here, Manchester United was big because they had a Japanese football player as well right yeah uh but uh yeah i think most japanese folks are have a mutual respect for the uk that we you know we like we have for japan and um yeah like, they like the uk mm. i think it's the same for if you're from america as well you'll find the same sort of thing um but uh yeah they, they like the british people so come on over have a wild time drink your beers and uh, get ready to meet people who are going to list off all your favourite things about the UK. We've got one here from Siobhan who says, uh, Hello Chris and Pete, I've been a long time abroad in Japan subscriber on YouTube but I've only recently found the podcast on Spotify and started binging them. My question pertains mm. to the horrible Japanese winters that Chris seems to complain about a lot. Are they really that bad? I've spent my entire life living in Canada where it's practically winter for 10 months of the year and have frozen uh, my ass <laughs> so many times that the cold doesn't bother me anymore. I'd love to visit Hokkaido and the northern part of Honshu in the winter, uh, but the way Chris talks about Japan in the winter makes it sound like these places are consistent minus 40 degrees Celsius every day with nasty wind chill. Is that really the case? Um, another question that's related is how cold or warm is the southern part of the country? If northern Japan is a frozen hellscape, would visiting Okinawa and Kyushu <laughs> be a good or bad time uh, or good or bad idea 
in the winter. Lots of love from Canada. Siobhan. Bloody Canadians. I, all my friends are Canadians, right? And my family are from Canada as well. Um, whenever I'm like, oh, it's minus five here. They're like, oh, minus five. Oh, it's minus rubbish. ten here. There's always trying to one up <laughs> rascals. But um, <laughs> it feels colder than it is in Japan because the air is really humid, right? So like minus five feels like minus 15. And you can see on the weather... Right. Like the apps on that app, if you look at an app, the weather, right? It'll be like minus five, but feels like minus 15. So take that, Canada. <laughs> we beat you. But um, it's the wind as well. The Siberian winds yeah. are brutal. And uh, in, where I used to live in Sakata, in uh, Yamagata Prefecture, there, the local train got blown over like, off the entire track once because the wind was so bad. And they have to frequently Jeez. cancel flights that go from, from there to Tokyo because the winds. Uh, is really bad. So I'd say that's the issue. The wind is pretty brutal. You have to go through a mountain range to get to certain places like there. So if I go from Sendai to where Natsuki is, I don't do it in winter because if I come back alive, it's a miracle because I have to go over a mountain range and there's like four meters of snow that's piled (laughs) up and it's really quite scary and dangerous and unnerving. One time, my windscreen wipers got frozen to the window of the car and I had to keep getting out and like ripping them off the window smash mm. the ice off and then carry on driving for another 10 minutes and then they'd it would happen again they would get frozen to the windscreen so it is brutal wild i don't know if it's canada brutal but it's brutal and i have to admit doing it five months of the year as i did do yeah it gets quite depressing five months of that yeah. not being able to go outside easily takes its toll definitely does but i yeah. wouldn't say that let that i wouldn't let that put you off going to hokkaido in winter like i've just got back from hokkaido uh, as i talked about on wednesday's episode didn't go according to plan entirely <laughs> well, it was a lot of fun and- just just make sure you got enough um petrol in your tank yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly I, I mean you've been here for winter uh last year how do you find it pete yeah, it was it was very very uh, discombobulated coming up for, to Sapporo for um, in my thermals walking around at the mm. uh, at the snow festival and then and then fly. Did I fly? It sounds like I think I may you have did, flown. Yeah, you nearly um, missed it. Flew, yeah, flew down to um, Fukuoka uh, and places like that, and it was just like just wild how different the uh, how different how how warmer it is. You know, you walk mm. around in a, in a jumper and it's quite warm. Uh, you know, it's too warm for a jumper in, in certain places. And even in Tokyo, to be honest, Tokyo's, that can be quite warm. Yeah, yeah. Tokyo is a very... Because it's, it's really strange. Like, Tokyo kind of juts out. If you look at a map of Japan, Tokyo mm. uh, is almost at the most southern point of the mainland. Because uh, Japan sort of... It goes... It curves around, right? Like yeah. a reverse L shape. So Tokyo is actually... A relatively southern point and it has the sort of pacific winds and whatnot that keeps it warm so tokyo very rarely gets snow um it's crazy like when i get on the bullet train to go from tokyo to sendai or tohoku in the space of an hour it's like changing countries you go from you know 15 degrees celsius nice blue skies to bloody arctic winds and just shit and snow and it's it's crazy mm. like whenever friends come up to visit which they don't do enough. I don't know why friends don't come to visit. It's always sad. <laughs> come on, come on up, join the fun. Like when they do come up, they're like, "Oh my god!" It's like I've travelled to a different country. And uh, yeah, Tokyo. It's it's a nice place if you like sunny weather all year round. Get yourself to Tokyo. Yeah. And likewise, Kyushu and Okinawa are pretty warm as well, but they don't get snow mm. apart from some of the mountains in Kyushu. So yeah, yeah. interesting stick, stick there. Yeah. yeah. Anything you'd like to add, Pete? Anything you'd like to uh, add? No, I mean, like, to be honest, um, yeah, Fukuoka is always very much warmer. And obviously uh, Okinawa, I, I've heard that Okinawa gets very, very warm, very, very um, quickly at the start of the year, mm. sort of January, February time. Um, you'd be always surprised whether it's, uh, you know, how that one pans out. 
I'd uh, now I've been to the most northern extreme point of Japan in uh, Cape Soya. Mm. I would love to go to the most southern point, but I don't know where it is. It right. must be like Ishigaki in South Okinawa. What do you know? Yeah. Do you know your Okinawa? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just know that it's like, it's, it's, um, it's just weird islands are just kind of like, because I've never been there. I'm like, I just have no concept about what's the nicest one, what's the ones you can't visit, what's the ones you have to get internal boats and stuff. <laughs> it's a different world down there. It's a place where they eat corned beef and spam. It's right up my <laughs> right up my street. Keep the stories, questions, comments coming into Abroad Japan podcast at gmail.com. We'll be back to do it all over again on Wednesday, guys. But for now, as always, many thanks for listening. And if you're a long-time listener, thank you for tuning in every week mm. and being a part of the show. Uh, we love doing it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's my highlight of the week, sitting down with you, Pete. So thank you. Uh, and thank you to you, Pete, for sticking around this long and not running away. <laughs> It's been a blast. Indeed. But for now, guys, <laughs> we'll see you to do it all over again on Wednesday. But uh, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you then. Have a good one. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the ACAST Creative Network. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com